0: When you first got to the varsity at Dearborn high, high School, who was the first person to bust your butt?
1: Um, I'd have to say a girl named Katie Cezat, which I'm sure not many of your listeners know or have heard of her before. Um, I'm originally from uh, Detroit, Michigan. Uh, Dearborn is where I went to high school. Um, but I played against a girl, like I said, named Katie Cezat. She graduated from Ply- Plymouth Canton High School. Um, I actually had to go back and Google her for a second because I was under the impression in my memory of this story that she was a senior and she just gave me the business and (laughs) she was actually a freshman the same year as me so now I'm super embarrassed to even admit it. Um, (laughs) But she ended up uh, playing her career at at ending her career at Hillsdale College, which is a D2 school Mm -hmm. in, uh, in Michigan. And she, I think she dropped 33 or 35 on me as a freshman. We were both freshmen starting on varsity. Um, She was a, I want to say six foot, six one, uh, small post player for them, which was pretty uncanny because I'm about 5'10". So, um, but she just, she had something different about her. Uh, Like I said, she gave me about 33 or 35. I thought I was this cold freshman starting on varsity. And she just really showed me that I wasn't. Um, And she went on to Hillsdale to break a bunch of division two records. She was the division two player of the year, her senior year. And so at least it makes me feel better that we both went D2. So I went D2 as well. Um, But she definitely showed me that being a freshman on varsity, you're you're nothing. Somebody else is going to come around and, and give you the business. So that Katie sees that for me.
2: I always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, and sharing them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, and shame them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy one more line record the track just one more time my family think i bought my head lost my mind and them i'm just fine i'm good enough, I'm fine, I'm good enough. you be told i need some therapy initially
0: ain't do it voluntarily but now i got a legacy all right welcome back to episode 10 i cannot believe it. we are episode 10 of the team player podcast we're picking up steam we got a great loyal listening base and it's, it's been a lot of fun i'm really i'm really excited for today's guest as you know we like to celebrate first this is our first guest from north of the mason dixon line pure michigan from the great state of michigan she is the head girls basketball basketball coach at aldine MacArthur. she's a dime dropper y'all we got a dime dropper in the house tonight uh i'm kind of ribbing her a little bit that's i i I was doing my homework and i saw the isd charity basketball game uh, her, she was on there and her special skill skills listed as dime dropper. So we, we do have the dime dropper in the house and she had, she has some big time hardware sitting in the office there. She coached the 2021 14, six a district MVP in precious Jackson this past season. Again, she's yeah, the, head, bas- yep, yeah, she's the <laughs> head, head girls basketball coach at Aldi MacArthur, Aldi MacArthur. She is Chris dancer coach. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Kobo. I appreciate it. I like the Michigan State uh, jersey. I, I like it. I'm, I'm liking where this is going
0: already. So. Oh yeah, we, as, as the loyal <laughs> listeners know that I always wear. I, my hobby is I collect jerseys. I have way okay. too many jerseys. I counted it. I'm almost embarrassed to say the number. So I've got everything. Gotcha. This one hurts me a little bit. As you, you, you <laughs> I was gonna know. say, no, this one's got a gotta Michigan be hard fan. for you to wear. Yep. yep, I'm a Michigan fan. But I, I I'll put this one on. I'll, I'll put on an Ohio State jersey if I, if I get a, a Buckeye. Okay, okay. I, I have them. I do have them. So. Uh, if you're a part of the team player movement please make sure you have given us a five star review on whatever platform you're listening on help us reach more people with these stories of coaches making a difference we got we got a couple five star reviews i'm going to read one today uh, this is from listener mike vogue bluther and he said kovo delivers when it comes to storytelling thanks for what you do and i thank you mike so you know i keep re- uh, keep keep leaving these reviews the five star review that makes such a difference for us to pop up in more searches so more people can hear these stories and I'll read them. I'll read them. There's our first one, and I'll read another one next week. But um, hit the follow button to subscribe and get all the latest episodes in your queue as soon as they come out. We would be honored if the Team Player Podcast made it into your rotation, and keep up with Team Player Podcast updates by following me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo. All right, Coach. I'm excited for this one. <laughs> I, I knew I was. I was head, head coach at Aldean High School for two years. I knew all of you. I knew you were you were the assistant at MacArthur. Uh, yep. I was really involved in our girls basketball program. I really uh, was. I just really hit it off of coach Salazar and her staff and all the girls. When I first got there, when I first got there, I started playing like open gym uh, with them and I had a lot of fun doing that. So I definitely, I, I knew of you. And then as I got to know you a little more, I found out that you're from Michigan, which mm-hmm. I thought was so cool. Cause my, my wife is also from Michigan. And so I've been able to, now I go there at least once, maybe twice a year. So I'm, I've kind of learned the landscape out gotcha. there in the Detroit area. You guys actually grew up pretty close to each other, which is pretty <laughs> crazy, but let's, let's dive into your story, coach. Yeah. You grew up in Dearborn Heights, Michigan. I've definitely heard of Dearborn. And I, I think I've driven through there on my way to Livonia where, you know, you know, where my wife's, from. I've kind of been around that area, gotcha. but I looked it up and I didn't realize this Dearborn high school where you graduated from is just 12 miles due West of where the old Joe Lewis arena stood on the yep. banks of the Detroit river in downtown Detroit. So just talk to me about that. I didn't realize you were so close to the city. What's, what's that? Oh yeah. Um, there? so th-
1: So the weird part for me is I went to high school in Dearborn, which is very different than Dearborn Heights. So a lot of people kind of combine all of that together. Um, I was one of the kids that, so Dearborn is very much so old money, a lot of money there, a lot going on. And I was the kid from the Heights. And so me and my group that came, we were considered more of the Detroiters than we were the Dearborn elite. So that was just, I always like to make that clarification. (laughs) Um, I love where I came from, but I definitely, it was, it was a little different. Um, Detroit has such a rich sports history. I mean, yeah. like you said, I have fond memories uh, at Joe Lewis Arena. My dad was a big hockey fan growing up, oddly enough, um, and he's still a big hockey fan. He already asked me, right? He, my dad um, just moved down to Texas literally yesterday. So awesome. uh, yes, our, my door to Michigan is closing a little bit, which is sad. Sure. But, uh, and he asked me, hey, can I, can I get the Toronto Maple Leafs? They're, you know, they're in the playoffs. Can, can I watch that in Texas? Do they watch te- uh, hockey down here? um so oddly enough my dad was a big Toronto Maple Leafs fan but um we also Red Wings like you can't be a Detroiter and not you know not follow hockey that's a big thing um Pistons just the whole thing uh we're very close to the city I spent most of my childhood in Michigan following Detroit sports and attending those things and Joe Lewis was definitely a a, an amazing place to be as a kid so
0: you know my 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 uh father and mother-in-law are, are huge Michigan sports fans just like you are yeah they, they're not a big fan of LCA the Little Caesars Arena I mean they, they definitely <laughs> love the Joe I've definitely gotten that vibe from them and they they always talk about the Olympia room did you ever visit that it's a place where they would go like in pregame you could have some drinks and stuff and they just really always kind of bragged on that but
1: so the hard part for me is I left at 17 so I, I ended okay. up playing I ended up playing um college ball in a different state in Minnesota So I didn't really get to experience the adult side much in Detroit until I would come back from college and, you know, come back in the summers and stuff. So I definitely did not get to frequent that. I'm going to (laughs) ask my father, though, and I don't know if I want the answer to that question, (laughs) but I will ask him um, if he's familiar with it. Um, I've only been to Little Caesars Arena once. It's amazing on the outside. It looks really cool. And just the, the whole atmosphere of where you're at and what you're in, you know, in direct location to. Ah uh, was actually for a bowl game though. Uh, right. A few years back, my mom bought my husband is a, a football coach, which you know, yep. and he my mom bought us tickets to whatever little Caesars, whatever bowl yep. game was there. And so I didn't get to see the vibe for for hockey, but it definitely there's no way it could compare to Joe Lewis. like I'm, sure. I don't even need to see it. I actually am glad that I only saw football there because I don't want to mess up those memories I had from yeah. the past. So
0: another cool story that you, from your from your growing up and it's so mm-hmm. funny because my wife shared the same story both of you in aau basketball yes. you played against both of you playing against bill lambeer's daughter yes which i thought was this of course bill lambeer the legendary bad boy uh you know getting in fights with larry bird doing everything right bill lambeer was all over the place uh in that era but just what was what was that like and what just give me your recollection of that game
1: well, I think it's really funny when you told me that your wife also played against her and has shares some of the same feelings sure. that I do, because uh, that's just very random. When you asked yeah. for, you know, you had kind of asked about players we've played against or coached mm-hmm. against that have been, you know, famous or semi-famous. I, I don't have a lot of those stories, but this one stuck out to me. Um, uh, Bill Lamber's daughter, I can't even remember what team she played for. I played for the Michigan Spartans. That was my AAU team. I played for a couple, but that was the mm-hmm. one I ended on. Um we frequented their team a lot. We played Bill Ambeer's daughter's team multiple times. Bill Lambier was definitely on the AAU circuit. He was at most of the games when we played. Um, his daughter, very similar, I want to say. Not quite, like, she's not punching people or anything, but was a very physical <laughs> player. She was big. She was a post player. Yep. I just always thought she was super overrated. I feel like sure. once Bill Lamber would walk in the gym, everyone would, oh, you know, Bill Lambier, right, right. you know, sports icon in Detroit. And so she got... A lot of the clout from that and i just felt like her game never really matched up um she didn't end up, end up playing at syracuse so like oh, i'm really? not gonna okay, yes wow. i'm not gonna knock you know where she ended yeah. up and and I, I think she's still affiliated she's i think a operations manager or in the in in the wnba or something yeah uh, but he just her game didn't match the physicality and it didn't really match the clout that she got. And I think uh, it came out in some times of how my mom, she used to like to egg things on. This is another uh, great
0: story you shared. Yeah. Yes. And <laughs>
1: she definitely would be talking smack to, to Bill Ambir's daughter and Bill Ambir at the same time. My mom was a very short woman, um, but she, your daughter ain't got nothing, you know, just kind of just talking smack so it was always very weird to play them but uh it was fond memories of that and my mom talking smack to Bill Ambeer so oh
0: my gosh I love Michigan women I I married one I'm sure Joe feels the same way I
1: mean (laughs)
0: your your mom reminds me of my mother-in-law like I just love hearing that story um but that that is great and I will verify my my wife shared the same sentiment so you're not alone so (laughs) Coach Lambeer, if you're listening, I, I apologize. We're, we're not trying to throw shade. Just, just no. sometimes it's hard to live up to the hype. After yes. you know, after he NBA. did Not.
1: So that was my take, but sure, sure. Uh, but it was just it was weird.
0: So yeah. So that that was an awesome story. So you, you're, you're obviously you're a, you're a hooper. My mm-hmm. wife played middle school basketball, but she ended up being a four year starter in soccer. So she kind of went in a different direction. But I'm just curious, just to finish this story. Did you ever play a game against uh, Livonia Ladywood? We did not. Okay. So I,
1: uh, in the public school circuit, I don't, I don't ever recall playing a game. I, we, I did a lot of my, so I started playing basketball through the Catholic, uh, church. So our, in Michigan, the CYO, the Catholic youth organization was huge. That's where most people started playing, whether you went to the Catholic church or not, like you found a church and you played there. Um, and so we, we frequented some Livonia teams. My grandparents lived, um, in Livonia, throughout you know the rest of their you know older adult lives but I don't ever I, I remember hearing of Ladywood but I never right. ended up playing okay. against them so
0: okay just taking a stab at it you <laughs> never know I mean you you have a lot of connections there so I thought that yes. might and your maybe-
1: wife was kind of the opposite of me I played soccer when I was in middle school yep. but that was not my sport um sure. I like indoor sports so I ended up finishing out with basketball so her and I kind of flip-flopped sure. there so
0: so uh, once you got into the high school level, I mean, you've mentioned you, you ended up at Dearborn High School, and that was cool. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know the difference with Dearborn Heights and Dearborn. So that was really cool to learn that. And then you, your head coach there was John Lenders. The cool thing that you, you're proud of and you like to remind your girls of is you are a four year varsity basketball starter. Yes. So that, that's pretty cool. And you also, well, you also snuck in a year of varsity softball, which was your mm-hmm. sophomore year, <laughs> not your freshman year, but your sophomore year <laughs> as requested by the coach. Tell us that story. I, I'm kind of interested in that one.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's, it was weird. Um, I was pretty much an all around athlete growing up. Um, I, everything I did and I heard some of your other, I know Ben's aunt, when you had her on, Uh I listened to that episode. She talked about playing with the boys her whole life. I didn't just play with the boys in my head. I was a boy. I did not affiliate with the girls at all. I, at recess, it was football. It was soccer. It was whatever the boys were doing. Um, so I was, I'm a sport nut. I played everything. I played floor hockey. Like I did it all. Um, and so, Just kind of, you know, growing up, I I always had this dream of, you know, when I got to high school, like I was going to play all the sports that was going to be me. And my eighth grade year, my mom told me, hey, we're going to have to cut this down a little bit. I, I'm an only child, both my parents worked. So trying to get me everywhere, playing AAU and in school, like it was just difficult. Um, So I decided to kind of focus on basketball. That was my biggest love. I'm five foot 10. It kind of fits with, you know, what I'm doing. Um, and so my freshman year, I made varsity uh, as a freshman, uh, we sucked. We had a group of seniors that you kind of know as coming in as a uh, my coach, John Lenders, it was his first year coming in. And he was trying to kind of clear out some of the girls that, you know, weren't doing what he wanted them to do. So we weren't very good that year. Uh, and the softball coach approached me and a friend of mine, my best friend who was on JV about playing softball our sophomore years. They, they needed some more athletes and, I, you know, made varsity as a freshman. So I, I grew up playing baseball. Like I said, I played soccer. I also, my first sport was, uh, baseball, T-ball baseball, softball, yep. all of that. Um, so I said, sure, you know, we'll try it out. Both me and my friend ended up making varsity softball as well. Um, and so it was funny cause the coach that coached softball, she formally attended Michigan state. So I yep. had like that kind of connection with her. She played basketball and softball in college. So she kind of used that as a connection to bring me on. Um, And i enjoyed it i but i hate the elements i'm not good with getting wet while i'm wearing my clothes like it's just i'm not great with that dumping your cleat out when there's water and stuff (laughs) and you know no knock to my fellow texans but up north if it's raining you're playing if it's snowing you're playing right right right. you can't we couldn't cancel stuff because you'd never be able to do any of that so having to deal with the elements was tough for me um and so the act and i didn't share this with you earlier but the way she got me to agree to try out. Uh, She came to one of our open gyms one day and played with us, the coach. Mm -hmm. So she was like, Hey, I'm gonna come out there. And if, and if I, you know, if if I do well, you gotta, you gotta at least try out. So she came out, she played, she came out and played with us. I thought she was really, you know, going after it. She actually uh, had a breakaway layup and I went to go and block her and came down and my chin split her head open.
0: Oh my, my god! Coach, the coach, the coach. <laughs> the coach.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I felt really bad. She had to go to the hospital get stitches, and so I decided I could give her at least a year of my time, and so that's that
0: is I, awesome. So she <laughs> kind of guilt tripped you a little bit, and just oh yeah, I that
1: I because I split her head pretty bad, so
0: yeah. I, I don't know if you listen her, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you listen to the Earl Westbrook's episode, but he kind of reminds me of you. He was a multi-sport athlete. He. He kind of just wanted to check check baseball off his list so he could try to win like mr you know uh athlete and so he was a pinch runner okay you know like but did did you play a position in the field actually or you just yeah so
1: growing up i was always you know i was always the best player on my team so i was the the catcher and i'm talking about growing up this is pre-high school yeah so i was the catcher first base when needed third if needed shorts like i played kind of everything and so I took a, a few years off in middle school because I really dedicated my time to basketball and soccer. And so coming in as a, you know, as a sophomore, I'm like, well, I used to be, I used to be the dog. So where yeah, do you yeah, need yeah. me? And she's like, left field. Yeah. I, never played. <laughs> yeah, I was like, left field. What are you talking about? You don't yeah. need me to catch or You don't need, she's like, no, we had a really great c- catcher. Like our infield was pretty set. So I headed out with my sunflower seeds in my pocket and yeah. went stood in left field, did what I needed to do. I realized very quickly that I couldn't game the system like I did with basketball. I was always just a, you know, a better athlete than everybody else. Right. I, I struggled hitting. Um, she had me bunt a lot because I just right. couldn't hit. Uh, yeah. I think they, I had one newspaper article when I was playing softball and it was uh, me taking a cut at a ball and all they could say. So my maiden name was Felzon on uh-huh. uh, the little tagline said foul tip. And it was just like like, I couldn't really get anything going. So that's pretty much why I only played one year. I just it was really tough for me and I just didn't have the time to dedicate to that sport. Um, so I just it humbled me a little bit because yes, I made varsity, but it wasn't natural for me anymore. I think I think a lot of multi-sport athletes don't realize, and it's something I preach to my kids doesn't matter how good you were in middle school or in elementary school. If you're not going to dedicate time to all of the sports you play, it's you, 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 there are very few kids that can really be the dog in all of the sports they play without putting the time in. So.
0: Totally agree. And Westbrook said the same thing. He said when he first got up to the plate, he was wagging his bat like he was Ken Griffey jr. I did the same thing (laughs) because you got, you guys had that confidence. You're a basketball stud. He was a football star, but the first time he saw a curveball. He's like, all right, coach, I'll just pinch run, you
1: know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> know the only saying. The only softball I had played before that yeah. when, I was, when I was younger, my my dad coached, and they right. the, the coaches pitched to us. So I'm getting out there, and this girl's slapping her leg leg with the mitt. I'm like, what yeah. is this? So it was yeah. different.
0: So you've already talked a little bit about KDC's at, you know, and that that mm-hmm. freshman year experience. You said your freshman year was rough, but did, did you guys get it turned around? Or I'm curious yeah. how, how your career ended. How, how did it oh, end? Oh, yeah.
1: So my uh my coach kind of cleared out so my freshman year we were three and 18. we had a boatload of seniors like i said that were just not really committed to the changes he wanted to make and kind of wanted to do their own thing um again because i was the dearborn heights kid coming into the dearborn group um i i didn't ever really feel super accepted by those girls i was also a freshman that started so i took one of their spots so it was always just really uncomfortable for me. All of my friends were on JV and freshmen and we didn't practice together. So it was just weird. Uh, My sophomore year, we graduated all of the seniors and I think only one or two of the juniors returned. So my coach pretty much said, this is your team. And all of my friends now that I played with in middle school, were coming up to varsity and my sophomore through senior year, we were uh, district champs all three years. Um, We made it out in, you know, at least in into the first round of what the playoffs were in Michigan. It's a little different than how it is down here. Um, we never re- were able to make a big run, but, you know, always in the regional tournament. Um, so we, we, we did a lot of great things my sophomore through my through my senior year.
0: So after you finished up at Dearborn High School, you got the program turned around. You headed way up north in Minnesota where the snow never melts. I love that you, you threw that in there. You played on scholarship four years there at the Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota State University Moorhead. And again, I looked this up. Yes. That's a 13 and a half or 14 hour drive from Dearborn High School. So I mean, you know I knew you were in Heights, but I mean, it's, that's a long drive. So yes. just, what was your recollection of, of that com- that commute to go back and forth to school?
1: <laughs> it actually takes a little bit even longer than that because oh, okay. you have to go under the Lake of Michigan. So it's not a straight shot. You know, Michigan's okay. a peninsula. We're surrounded by okay. lakes all around. So if you could go you know, you can go up through the upper peninsula and go across that way, but that's, you don't, most people don't want to make that drive. Um, So I played AAU, Michigan Spartans. I got seen at a tournament um, in Chicago by Minnesota state. Um, The coach that the assistant coach that saw me was originally from Michigan. Um, So he came back to Michigan to visit his family and came out to a game. The cool part about Michigan at that point is basketball and volleyball were flipped from how it is in Texas. Okay. So Here in Texas, you play volleyball and then basketball season comes in the winter in Michigan. When I played, it was the opposite. So I, it was helpful for us uh, trying to get recruited because our season was before the college season started. Right, right. So a lot of college coaches were able to come out and see people. Um, so when he came out to my high school game, I don't know if the gods were just in my favor, but I scored my career high. I scored 36 points when he was there. I was hitting everything. Like I hit a half court, uh uh, half a shot from half court to go into halftime yeah so I don't know if it was just destiny for me but he obviously was like oh man like this is this is a good situation so uh, as an only child it was really scary for me to agree to go that far away from home uh, but I wanted a challenge I was getting recruited by a couple uh, D2 D3s in Michigan huh? um, Albion College was another one that was really interested in me but they wanted me to replicate what I did in high school. They wanted me to come out and be the stud of the team as a freshman again. Yeah. And I didn't want that. I wanted to, I wanted to play team ball and, and make it to yeah. the national tournament. And so in Minnesota, when I went out there for my visit, uh, it, it was a little weird. It's cold, cultural yeah. difference, smaller town, a yeah. lot of differences for me, but the, the style of play, what my coach, you know, kind of sold me on was that we're going to the national tournament. So do you want to be a part of this or not? And I did. So
0: love that story. And then, so once you wrap up there, you had a lot of success in college again, like the similarities. So my wife also went out of state, but she went South into Ohio to play division two soccer on scholarships. so it's very similar, but her story was she ended up getting recruited at at, at a college fair, um, by Galena park ISD. That's what brought her to Texas. And so I'm curious, what what, did did Aldean ISD recruit you out of your college or how'd you end up coming down to Houston?
1: Well, first and foremost, I decided if I couldn't go back to Michigan, I was not gonna stay in the north. I needed some time in the south because Minnesota winter is it's Mm -hmm. unreal
0: right
1: <laughs> snow starts in October coming from someone from
0: Michigan so it must yes. be really bad. yes so I'm
1: used to winter <laughs> right. and cold this was right. something completely different the the snow would come first snow hit in October and by April this it was still there it didn't melt right there would be right. a time period where you didn't see the sun it was it was rough yeah um so I kind of I didn't know what I wanted to do uh, outside of uh, outside of college I had to do an extra year because I couldn't student teach while playing basketball it wouldn't fit into my schedule so I did an extra year where I took um I got a cert- certification in special ed and I just did a couple extra things while staying up there and um actually I was recruited uh, Jeff McKenna uh, he yeah. was a big oh, yeah. time HR yes. recruiter in Aldine. he's been all over the place um he, I, I believe he attended the same college that I went to, Minnesota State.
0: Really? Okay. Yes.
1: Yeah. And so they did a lot of heavy recruiting up there. It's a teacher's it, it started as a teacher's college. So that kind of worked in for me. I knew I wanted to be a teacher from a young age. Um, so they kind of recruited. And so my options were basically this was tw- uh, 2010 when I graduated. My options were to go back to Detroit. This is two years post recession there, and the recession uh-huh. killed Detroit. There were no jobs in anything anywhere. Or to take a stab at coming down to Texas, student teaching and seeing, you know, if there were any opportunities down here. And so I got recruited by Jeff McKenna, ended up coming down this way. I student taught at Johnson Elementary. And then from there, just job opportunities were slapping me in the face. So I decided to make Texas uh, at least a, a temporary home at that point
0: you, you I, I like that you brought up the recession because that's the exact same story that my wife shared and i remember coaching down here we would get so many but the midwest was really hit you know i've met yes. so many people from wisconsin michigan minnesota iowa you know yes. and, and they, they are really good teachers and coaches like honestly like, yes. we are spoiled because the best of the best are coming down here to further their career so i I've, i'm a, i love it i i, I hate it that it happened for that right. part of the country but I, I for us selfishly it's been great um so you you you've been in the Mac Ver. Oh, one more thing, I guess you said yeah. you, you knew you wanted to coach your entire life. So that that'll make you no. Oh no. Okay.
1: I knew you were gonna ask this because yes. I've been listening to your show. Yeah. I knew I wanted
0: to teach. Okay. I okay. go on. Yep. Yes.
1: So I coaching was not necessarily on my radar. Um, I got a coaching um, minor. I did have a coaching minor in college, but I never since I was in kindergarten, teaching was always what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an elementary school teacher. So, and that was actually my route when I was uh, recruited, I was recruited to student teach in the elementary. I didn't even have my high school certification
2: Wow! and there's not a lot of
1: coaching opportunities when you're in the elementary school. So teaching a hundred percent coaching did not come until much later.
0: Another team player podcast. First, another one that, that's (laughs) that's a really cool one too. What was it about the young? What what was, what was it about the youngsters that, that drew you there?
1: I don't know. I've always, and it's weird. I'm an only child. So I, I didn't have siblings. I didn't have, you know, baby experience. I just, my son is going to turn one in just a couple of weeks. I didn't have any of that with the younger kids, but I was, I'm a big kid. It's what I am. You can ask my husband, you can ask my, like my family members. You can ask my players at MacArthur. Yeah, I'm just, I love joking around, having fun. I mean, I love the color. Like there's just a lot of stuff that always has resonated with me. The only jobs I've ever had in my life have been working at summer camps, summer sports stuff. I've never done anything outside of teaching. I just love the idea of being around kids. I think it helps keeps us, keeps us young when we're with kids. Um, and just the little ones, I, I'm super sarcastic, so they, they would never get my jokes and stuff. But I, <laughs> I just always, they thought I was funny. I thought they thought I was quirky. And so I just always wanted to be with the, the younger
0: group. So, and so surprisingly, I you know we, we keep stats here on the show. You're, you're the third out of 10 that, that, I've noticed that, so that I find that interesting. Cause I'm, I'm bringing in the best coaches in the city. They're winning awards. They're, they have all district players. I mean, they're winning championships and I just found that interesting. So whether you're someone like yourself that always knew, or you're someone that's maybe you're doing something else and you're not happy, but you love kids it's never too late to start so I always like to point that out but you get here you've been in the MacArthur vertical in all ISD your entire career you started at Hambrick as the assistant coach for four years you even had to coach some volleyball in there you know I know uh, Caitlin Riley is a, a soccer coach that we had on that talked about yes. her softball coaching experience so what was it like did you feel like a fish out of water or, or did you enjoy coaching volleyball
1: Um, It's funny because I actually listened to her episode episode earlier this week and it's weird how much her and I have in common just from listening, you know we're both from two different places, but just a lot of interesting stuff that we both have in common, Um, so I'm gonna have to check them out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Coaching volleyball was difficult, I don't know much about the sport, Um, I was asked in high school to play volleyball too but that's just volleyball was never a, a sport for me. Um, but I had really good mentorship. So coach Janie Rodriguez um, was the head coach at Hambrick for many years. She, she still works at the MOC. I don't know how Aldine hasn't named a building after her yet, but I'm gonna keep working on that. Uh, she was the head volleyball coach there. A good friend of mine, um, Paula Fisher, was another coach there as well. And so I just kind of learned from them. They would kind of put me off to the side and had me doing like footwork stuff and um, some of like the more all around sport base things and then they would handle the the actual like different offenses and stuff like that that I that I didn't really know so I kind of did I filled in the gaps for them um so and it's funny because now I'm pretty close with coach Eastland at MacArthur um she's a phenomenal coach and she has won a lot of awards and done a lot of a lot of stuff at MacArthur they're going on their third district championship I think second or third back to back I know that Um, and so it's funny because when we mix together now at the high school, she'll always say, Hey, Danzer, you're going to go work on blocking. So they give me stuff that's very well in my, in my uh, wheelhouse. So it was different and hard for me to coach that other sport, but you, you have to do what you have to do when you're, you know, you're trying to figure things out and be a team player. so.
0: So after that, you ended up moving up to MacArthur in 2014 and you served as the JV, uh, slash varsity assistant. For five Mm -hmm. years and now you'll be moving into your fourth year as the head coach next season those five years as assistant you served under Ann Fuller and this is kind of a cool thing I mean I I remember her from when I was at Aldine and I was broadcasting your game against Nimitz this year which is really cool so two team player alums yourself and Kendra uh, was it was a great game it's probably the best game you know that, (laughs) that we had and I saw coach Fuller seated with your husband Joe and your son watching the game and that just really resonated with me can you, yes. can you talk about that kind of just that? It seems like a, just a family relationship that y'all have and what that means to you.
1: Very much so. So I don't call her Coach Fuller. I right. don't call her Ann yep. anymore. She's Nana
0: now. <laughs> that is
1: um, awesome. And it plays on the Ann that's in there because that's her first yep. name. Um, yep. But yep. she, uh, Ann kind of, she she reached out to me a couple of times when I was at the middle school, uh, interested about me moving up. And it kind of goes with The idea of, I always plan on working with younger kids. I never, I never planned it being at the middle school or at the high school level. I was very apprehensive about taking that jump. She actually had approached me two years prior to me even making the jump to the high school. Um, And so I got really close with her at Mac. Uh, She was, she's been my biggest mentor, you know, coaching wise. She's taught me so many different things. Um, And then when she decided to step down, step down and go into retirement, our, our friendship just kind of blossom from there. It's, it's more than just a coaching relationship. Um, her and I, she always jokes that we're the same person just with a little bit of an age gap. Right. Um, we were the same number when we played in high school. Um, we have a lot of the same just views on, you know, basketball in general and you know, what we want out of the kids. And she's been really my only family member down here that I consider, I know she's not blood, but neither my husband or I are originally from Texas. And like I said, my dad just moved down here yesterday. Yeah. So we haven't had any family dynamic, but she, her and her wife, Susan have kind of brought that to us. And now she just spends all of her time spoiling my son. So
0: <laughs> that is awesome. Coach yeah. Nana <laughs> or just <Coach> Nana. Nana. <laughs> Nana. Yep. Yeah. That, that, that really just definitely stood out to me. I thought that was so cool yes. just you know, to see that. And, you know, another cool story you shared to me uh, back in 2019, uh, this is again talking about your MacArthur history here. Some fun stories we can go through. You had a player elbow you in the face in practice, and it actually broke your front tooth in half. Yes. Uh, and yeah. I, I love to see you. you're you still getting your run in, Coach. That's awesome. <laughs> um, you know, you you just said this is a fan favorite story over at MacArthur. So can you tell the listeners just just fill us in on that story there? You got your tooth broken half.
1: Sure. So um, I am very intense with my girls. I don't like how. I think, I think it was Caitlin Riley that actually talked about how the, one of the hardest things to, to coach with, you know, girls sports is confidence. They, a lot of them just lack that, you know, overall confidence that, you know, that, that killer instinct. And that was, has never been something I've struggled with in my life. (laughs) So it's, I kind of try to find a happy medium of I'm overly confident and a lot of my girls are not as confident. So I try to find that happy medium when I'm coaching them. Um, but there was just one day in practice and I wasn't even really getting a run necessarily in this game. I was kind of just on the court, kind of involved in what was going on. And I just was sick of the girls letting each other take the ball from each other. Yep. That was driving me nuts. Yeah. And so I kept telling them like, you know, you don't need to elbow anybody in the face, but you need to use your elbows. You <laughs> use your hips, you use your whole body. Like you, you're protecting that ball. That ball is your baby and nobody takes it. And so uh, one of my players, Angel Blue Hudson, um, which she was a four-year varsity player for us at MacArthur. uh, She's now at LSU. She took what I said very literally. um, And she is a, uh, she's a J-R-O-T-C kid, tough kid. She's just a tough all-around kid. And as I was coming kind of behind them just to, you know, she caught the ball at the three-point line. She kind of got that sense that there was like another player coming and didn't realize it was me and just kind of turned. And it was very, nothing like aggressive. She just turned like I asked her to elbows up strong with the ball and just hit me right in the mouth. And I immediately knew something was wrong. Um, but the girls didn't fuller was there. I was the assistant at this time. She didn't. And so I kind of turned and bit down and I bit something hard. So I knew that, that something wasn't where it was supposed to be. And so I kind of went like this, I kind of grabbed at my nose and there was just blood in my hand and I'm like, Oh, this is not going to be good. And so I kind of walked off and all of the girls were silent. You could have heard a pin drop in there. Nobody said a word and they're all kind of looking like what's going on. And I go just right to Fuller. And I said, I'm just under my breath. I need your key. I need your key. And she said, you know, what's wrong, what's wrong. And I didn't want the girls to see it because we had worked so hard to get them to be confident and to be strong if they see somebody with half a tooth and their mouth full of blood now they're not going to want to do it anymore so I was trying to be super discreet took the key I left went to the office we have a mirror in the bathroom and I'm like you know thinking in my head okay we're good it's a it's a back tooth we're okay no issue open up my mouth and it's my right front tooth in half and it was I just immediately freaked out to this day I'll remember I this was a couple years ago 2019 so I would have been you know, I think 30, 31 at this point. Right. Um, And immediately called my mom, didn't know what to do, (laughs) called my mom. And I said, what do I do? I had a lisp because of the tooth, the the placement of the tooth. So I'm like, what do I do? I had this list. So she goes, call your dentist. I called my dentist. And then I went through pretty much a year of them not being able to match my teeth. I had temporary teeth. And so it all kind of came together at the end, uh, blew that Christmas uh bought bought me a mouth guard for um for Christmas. And so from there it's a there's still a picture. Fuller took a picture of me with half my tooth and it's on my office door and she wrote on there, this is what toughness looks like. And so it's (laughs) it happened years ago. None of the girls that were there, I think Precious was the only one that was actually there for it. Um but it's still something they talk about. They ask me about my teeth. The girls make fun of me all the time. So it's it's one of those things that I think will kind of stand the test of time at MacArthur.
0: You know, coach, this is something we didn't really talk about in our kind of when we're pre-gaming for the show a little bit, but these stories you're telling me, it's no surprise to me that MacArthur girls basketball has been a steady, consistent performer all these years. And I think it's that for coaches that listen, I mean, you, you literally have a mentor who is now referred to as Nana. She's a part of your family. She she is like helping you raise your son. And then just those stories of the players just kind of rallying around that and giving you the mouthpiece and just that I can just tell that they love you. Can you just describe stuff for coaches that are trying to build that culture? You know, they're trying to build what you have on their team. Can you give us any insight, like from a coaching perspective on, on how y'all were able to do that?
1: It takes time. I mean, it's, that's something for me. I'm a very loyal person in general. It's very hard um, for me to think about going to another school. Even like there were a few times when I was in high school, my parents wanted to move and go elsewhere. And I know I probably could have made just with my basketball talent, I could have made varsity anywhere, but. I got, you know, even my senior year or my freshman year, it was uncomfortable for me, but I, I was, I'm a Dearborn pioneer. That's what I am. Um, and so for me, I've worked my entire career in the Mac vertical. Um, and the coaches before me had been there for years. Uh, like I said, coach Eastland has been at MacArthur for so long coach Rodriguez, when she was at Hamburg, she was there for so long. And I think that's a, a big fixture is it's going to take time and you have to be loyal to what you're doing. Um, I know in today's world, it's just, there's a lot of transfers in the transfer portal and a lot of people that are looking for that next stepping stone. Uh, You know, I'm going to, I'm going to be an assistant here for a year. And then I'm going to go here for a year and I'm going to go here. And I think there's, there's merit to that too. I'm not saying that that's the wrong way to go about it, but to really build that relationship and that culture, like you have to show the community that, you know, you're there, you're, you're dedicated. Um, And especially for me, like I work with a lot of girls, I'm the only white lady. Like even some of my girls call me white lady. Like that's just kind of, you know, the joke that we have in our, in our group. And I just want my kids to know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm a, I'm a MacArthur general with you. It's not, I'm not asking you to say you're a MacArthur general. I'm in there with you. And I think that's been a big fixture at MacArthur, just that longevity that we've had there. And even if you're a coach, a new coach, you have to respect the process that it's going to take you a minute to kind of get in with those kids and that, you know, that family, those cultures, and just kind of have to build it it takes time
0: so awesome story and that, like I mean when you think about when you started uh you know at, at Hambrick and you know that what that was 20 what year was that
1: 2010? 2010 2010 right that. that's still I was yeah. trying to do the
0: math in my head there so yeah. it's over a decade you've been in this community yes and I just I think that's so cool it reminds me when when I was at Aldine we had a star player named Ja'Cory Howard
1: okay and he had,
0: he was kind of like you he had opportunities to go other places we were right. struggling at the time but I'll never forget. He told me, he's like, coach, I'm, I'm a Mustang for life. And, and he did it and he finished and he's a running back at Texas Southern now. And he's doing right. great. And I just, I saw a uh, coach ahead post the other day. He, he came back to Aldi and he's walking around the school. I mean, he just, he loves, I mean, he bleeds blue, you know, just like you bleed red there. So yeah. I love well, that
1: the transfer. Just a lot of transferring is it's just, that's the hardest part for me. And I think if there's right. any, if there's anything that's ever going to take me out of coaching is when that recruiting that, sure. that I, I can't live by that. Like, I get somewhere, get comfortable somewhere. You know, I've seen a lot of kids that transfer their freshman year, then they go somewhere their sophomore year, their junior year, like you're not getting that consistency. You don't have to be in a top winning program to go on to the next level. It's, it's not, it's not necessary. Get somewhere you're comfortable and you like that, that atmosphere and you're really going to become a good athlete for it. So
0: Wow, couldn't agree. This is where you and I are very similar. Like, I, I always felt the same way. I was like, I, I never, I'm not a recruiter. That that wasn't my thing. You know, that wasn't the thing that I focused my coaching abilities on. So, um, yeah, I agree with, I agree with 100%. Now, for a little bit of fun, you know, yeah. I, I've always told a little story. Like, I, I would run with the girls uh, in the summer with Coach Sal at Open Gym. Right. And I was like that old guy. I was like Jim Carrey, uh, like in the cable guy. Like, I'm doing butt kicks and like I'm getting right, super sweaty right. and I'm boxing everybody out like an old man.
2: <laughs> right. So,
0: that was me. Um, I don't remember getting to play with coach Benzant. I think she kind of came maybe like later towards when I was heading out and then coach Rickert, I never got to play with him either. I think, I don't know if gotcha. he went back to Wisconsin for the summer or he had that, he hurt his foot. I remember he was on like right. scooter. Um, but I'm curious, like with, I did play with coach Sal. She, she busted me up routinely all up and down the court. What about you? I, I know you, I saw that the flyer that you did play in that charity game, but do you continue yes. to play basketball? And then how'd that charity game go for you?
1: Okay. So the charity game, that was fun. It was weird. It was, it was interesting. Um, a former assistant of mine, Andy Custer, he's actually um, just graduated. He went back to Michigan state um, for, he has like 18 degrees and stuff. So I don't know what it was, but um, he was my assistant for a year at Mac uh, when I first took over and him and I both played in it. Um, him and I would frequent, this was a couple years ago uh, before the pandemic hit. We played a lot of one-on-one. We like to shoot with each other. Like we just both were were gym rats um, that did that. So him and I both played in the charity game. I now the I was not a natural point guard in college. I was in high school, but um, I don't have that same point guard drive like Venzant does. Um, but I I feel like I the the again the nickname was Destiny because I ended up being on the same five-man group with Dr. Goffney, who's the superintendent at Aldine. Yeah. And I was wow. like, I'm not going to shoot this thing. I'm going to pass the ball to her and let her shoot go. it. Like, I'm not yep. going to do that. Yep. Um, but the charity game was fun. Um, I, for years, this was actually been my first year that I haven't really gotten runs in okay. um, just because I started the year off on maternity leave. Sure, so I'm trying to get my body back into, you know, into, into it and kind of you know, figuring that out. Um, my assistant, my current assistant, Jasmine Cardenas, keeps giving me crap because our faculty uh, student basketball games on Monday, and she's like, "You gotta play, you gotta play." And I'm, I know me. I'm too competitive. I'm not going to just be able to stand out on the arc and ask for the ball. Like yeah. one of my girls talks mess. I'm going to want to lock her down. Right. And I just my body's <laughs> not where it needs to be need One offseason, one
0: more offseason. Don't yes,
1: I'm going to use this. This is my year <laughs> to kind of kind of take take a break, but I'll I will be back on the court very very shortly i promise you that
0: oh my god I, I love that and i mean that's one of the things i was talking about you know playing against coach salazar and somebody yes. like me that's i'm a football player that likes to hoop and i'm not i'm not <laughs> right. great I'm, I'm like i am like rebounding box out take right, right. that's what i do but like i one thing i noticed playing against salazar coach salazar who's now the head basketball coach at pasadena memorial i would give, be giving so much effort just sliding my feet and like 100 max effort and she was just so smooth
1: yes and was
0: still getting buckets Yes. and so like can you describe that like that dynamic of like the, the really elite players that make it look like they're moving they're not they're not giving full effort can you kind of describe? I'll say that?
1: I'll say this about coach Sal because I, I was able to coach against her for a little bit and I, yeah. I mean I was there while I was assistant too coach Sal has this very swaggy way yeah. about her even with yeah. her coaching like you yes. can tell she was a hooper um her confidence just the way she carries herself uh and I think, I think for me, I was, I was more of a slasher in high school, okay. which I've had to, I, you know, I can't be a slasher in my, I mean, I'm in my mid thirties. I just had a kid, so I'm going to have to, you know, figure that out. Uh, but I think it just, it comes natural when you've played. Um, and I think especially too, I would love to play against football, football guys. Like that yeah. was my favorite. Cause you guys are all brute force. Right. Like you, you have the athleticism. You don't have the finesse for the game. Basketball, you need yes. to be able to be athletic and have that finesse. Um, and I think the real elite players that never goes away. It's always there. I may not be as quick. My first step may not be as quick. But if I need to get to the basket, I'll get there. Or if I need to find somebody open, I'll be able to do that too. So I think it's just the cool dynamic. Um, and you know, my husband is a football coach, you know yeah. him. Yep. Uh he was a basketball player in his younger days. So he has it's weird to see him. He's a big guy, but oh, can, yeah. can shoot the J, like he okay, can do it.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but it's always a you know a fun thing for us. We compete. Couple summers ago, we played uh, the board game Risk. I don't know yeah. if you're familiar. Oh, yeah. but, and I just wiped him with that game. <laughs> so, uh, the one thing that I always tell the girls, you know, I love football. It's it's a favorite sport of mine. But basketball players and coaches have to be able to think like this. In football, you have you have more time. You uh-huh. have, the preparation is there. You have more time. You have we're switching from offense to defense basketball it's you got to go and so that's i i wiped the floor with him because he couldn't see the strategy ahead of of what i was doing
0: so i love that you know and the last part about that story that i love i just dr goffney played yes i did i had no idea that that is so impressive to me and i know her daughter yeah. she's a uh, she plays with so the is cougars you know yeah. and i think that's just so cool so really really great story and and i think that that her leadership in the district you can just tell me she loves what she's doing obviously yes, if you're, very much you know, so. she loves kids and loves the community so that that was really cool um, you know, I started this podcast because coaches were always my heroes growing up. I want to highlight the positive impact that coaches make in our communities and our young people. But I also want to speak not just to coaches, but to parents. Hmm. You kind of touched a little bit on, on the our culture moving towards this, so much transferring. And I think may, maybe potentially parents can be involved in that. I, I now I'm a broadcaster, you know, right. and, and I, I see sometimes I see I see good examples of parents. I do sometimes see bad examples of parents and some of the things that they're saying in the stands. So. My question to you, if you were talking to a parent, now you are a parent and you said your son's turn, you know, turning one. So yep. for parents, I just became a parent last Friday. So <laughs> congrats, talk, by the yeah, way. thank you so much. So th- talk to me and, and all other parents is what can we do to make sure that we're giving our kids the best athletic experience, not doing anything to take away from that?
1: Yeah, I think, I think there's a lot. I mean, I've seen, I've seen super supportive parents. I've seen parents that aren't really in the picture, um, kind of. The, one of the big themes that I have in my program and it's important that i i, I share it with the kids but I share it with the parents too is not letting your circumstances become excuses and I think that's big for us and I feel like you know just the the biggest thing with with parents is not allowing their kids to make so many excuses in life and so just you know a big one is uh you know i I, I didn't do this or you know I got in trouble here okay so let's let's work on it let's process it um it's it's Even when our our athletes get injured, you know, a a roll of the ankle, which used to be a very minor thing, a normal thing for basketball is now, oh my gosh, I got to take you to the doctor. We have to get x-rays now immediately. I mean, we have two amazing and full-time paid trainers on our campus. Let them take a look at it. Um, I think we're so quick to make excuses for for so many different things and and not want to push our kids to be uncomfortable um it's it's a it's something that I I see more and more every year we want kids to be happy all the time and I think that's not realistic and we're not allowing our kids to have to deal with things that are going on in their life athletically injury wise school wise you know we we, everyone wants to come and rush to their aid so so fast and I think that's what I would kind of tell parents is don't make everything an excuse right away you know injuries are going to happen let's process through it um you know, if, if your athlete's not happy with my coaching, then let's talk about it. I mean, I, I'm not perfect. I'm more than willing to hear feedback, but we need to talk about it, not go and complain to somebody else or anything. Um, so I think that's just the biggest thing is we, we don't, it's not always going to be perfect. And no matter where you go, you're, there's, there's going to be something you'll find to complain about. So just don't make your circumstance an excuse, uh, be able to process through things and just be tough. It, it, that's going away, I think in society in general. So.
0: I love that. And, you know, hosting this show uh, so so many times I see these great coaches have the similar mindsets. Yeah. Last week, Aislinn Garza, Garza talked about how important athletic trainers are yes. and how really good they are at their job. And they're professionals. Parents need to understand like you have, you have professional trainers there at your disposal. Yes. Use them, right? You know, yes. uh, Carmen Solis Martinez is, is a club volleyball coach. She said, you've got a club volleyball coach at your disposal. So don't make an excuse just because you don't play club. You know what I mean? So I like that. And then your Caitlin Riley, who you said you have so much uh, in common with, she, she said the same thing. Like I'm an open door policy, right? If we have problems with playing time or the position, please talk to me. And I I just, I just love seeing, you know, those parallels there. So uh, you said you live in a sports dominated house. Another reason why I really like you and Joe, you you guys remind me so much, my my wife and I, Uh,
2: you,
0: you, you said you pretty much watch anything that has a competitive edge. Yes, and then you and your husband Joe have actually found this something that I haven't done, my wife and I have not done. You you found BattleBots, Amazing. and you're really loving that. So tell, us yes. what, tell us what's BattleBots and and what's that been like for you?
1: So it's mainly my husband, um, but he got me involved in it. It's it's a TV show about robots that fight each other. It's yeah. it's our competitive nerd thing yeah. that we are interested in. And it's it I've heard of it before. Uh, I mean I've seen it before, but it's the the sport has, I I don't know if you can call it a sport, but I'm going to call it a sport, has grown. And so the, the 2022 tournament, they call it the battle for the nut. You win this giant like bolt and nut if you win it. Um, and it's just these, these men and women that, you know, put together these fighting robots. They go into this big like arena and there's weapons and fire and all of this different stuff. And so I think, um, both Joe and I would watch it Thursday nights. I would have to check the channel sci-fi probably, or, or one of those channels, but Joe started watching it and then we started recording it and then it just became kind of a fixture. And he, you know, Blip was his favorite this year or there's different ones. I I liked Huge, there was a a robot called Huge. And so we would kind of battle it out and try to guess which one was gonna win. And we turned pretty much everything into a competition. Television shows, we, I mean, we used to, during the pandemic, we would get bored. So we would take uh, my dog's tennis balls and see who could try to hit one into our neighbor's garbage can across the street. Yeah. we turn anything oh, into a competition
0: oh I love that yeah now, I mean Joe Joe someone kind of like yourself was in a different vertical than what I was in so I definitely knew of him I'd see him around you know with yes. you know ex- exchange and you know, how you doing all that kind of stuff I know coach Delgado who was the AD when I was there just yes. really loved your husband I mean <laughs> I, I do recall he would talk about Danzer quite a bit like just how impressed yeah. he was you know with your husband Joe Danzer and so one thing I didn't necessarily know this but I could tell by looking at him i'm not surprised at all that you shared this with me joe competes in strongman competitions and his brother competes in the highland games which i have heard of those i know they're like in scotland i believe is you know it's kind of just brute strength like throwing a stone or things of that nature um so those dominate your schedule as well so can you just talk to us about your your husband doing the the, you know the strongman or or the, the uh you know um highlands games type style competitions
1: Yeah, it's, it's actually really cool. Um, it's another thing that he's kind of brought me into. Uh, I remember growing up watching the world's strongest man when it was on That's one of those sporting events where it's, you don't really know when it's going to be on, but all of a sudden on ESPN, you're seeing these dudes lift trucks and stuff. Um, so I've always been interested in in all of it. Um, I, I like to work out and lift weights. I do CrossFit in my spare time. Uh, when I, when I have time. Um, but he, you know, he, he's a lifter. It's what he does. We have a, a, he built a little gym in our garage. I think you had mentioned that in a previous episode Um, and he just, and it's his, it's his kind of safe space. It's where he gets to go and decompress. Um, He started by doing powerlifting, you know, your bench, your deadlift, your squat. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that just got, it got repetitive and boring for him. Um, And so, like I said, his brother's big into Highland games. His brother's a strength and conditioning coordinator um, for the U S army um oh, out I'm in awesome. North Carolina yeah. he's been at a few different um few different colleges as well and it's just a passion they both have and so I think Joe wanted to explore it he's done I want to say five six competitions now he just did one two weeks ago he has another one coming up on Saturday and it's a lot of fun it's stuff you don't normally see it's you know lifting stones and you know doing a yoke carry uh, yep. I think a Two years ago, he got first um, in the, uh, it was a truck pull. It was a, a yeah. don't quote me, like a, a one-ton truck or something. And he pulled it in 16 seconds, something like that. So it's yeah. it's interesting and it takes a lot of time and dedication, but it's really fun to be a spectator and a supportive person in that. So.
0: Very cool. I've, I've also done the CrossFit, as you know, and so I'm, I'm a big fan of that a- Aislinn Garza, you know, I was the yes. CrossFit mm-hmm. o- box owner. So that's pretty cool that a lot of us, I think those of us that, that have that competitive background, We gravitate towards CrossFit because it makes us feel like we're on a team again.
1: Yeah, and I'm a team sport kid. I'm not, I cannot push myself by myself. If there's not someone else there, I'm, it's going to be a waste of time. So I need, I need someone standing next to me. And so I can try to beat them. I have to have that.
0: So not to dive too much into your personal life, but I think our listeners love these stories because we've had some funny ones here on the show. Uh, You know, we have Caitlin Riley slid into her husband's DMs. (laughs) That was a funny one, right? We haven't you you, you listen to that episode. Yes, Uh, I did. Aislin Garza, her husband slipped into her DMs, but it was the mid 2000s. So he sent her an email. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so is there any kind of funny story on, on how you and Joe, uh, you know, you, you and Joe got together?
1: Yes. So actually, there would be no way to slide into anybody's DMs. I Joe <laughs> just recently got, I think, an Instagram account or maybe Twitter. Yeah. Uh, so he is not a social media guru. Um, he's just recently started using that. So that would not have been an option for us. Um, We actually met when I first came down to student teach way back in the day at Johnson Elementary he was the in his first year as a PE teacher there um, and I was student teaching uh, and I uh, had finished my student teaching section and they were paying me to sub on the side at the school Um, and so I very daringly agreed to do kindergarten one time which I will never ever do again I love young children (laughs) not kindergartner uh, <laughs> um and the kindergarten class they had me covered there was this one student which I will not h- use his name but he was I, I I don't I don't even know how to describe him in a nice way I don't know if you're allowed to call a kindergartner just a, a terrible kid but sure, he was a terrible yeah. um he was punching little girls and stealing yeah. fans and we went out to recess and he just ran away and oh, wow. you know, again, I, I wasn't a certified teacher at that point. Do you, you follow the little kid on his own or the 16 other little kids you have over here?
2: Right. Um, so
1: I was really disheveled by the end of the day. I was walking the kids. Um, we were about to go to lunch and Joe saw me in the hallway and he said, hey, you're know, you doing all right? Yeah. right? Um, I'm like, no. And he, he knew exactly what class I was covering for. And so he said, hey, let me take this boy. You guys have PE rotation later. Let me take him. And then I'll uh, I'll, I'll wow. take them off your hands. So yeah. left, we went did our other stuff, ate lunch, um, came back to PE rotation about an hour and a half later. And I saw the little boy standing on a yellow dot in the gym, not moving, <laughs> yeah. crying. And so I was like, what's, and he saw us and he goes to come run at us. And I heard this loud voice from the back and just yelling out his name and said, don't you move to your class gets in there. And he stood right yeah. back. Yeah. And so basically, Joe saved me from a kindergartner.
0: Yo, that and, is, uh, a yeah, that is a great story. Wow. Yes. I mean, yes.
1: So we didn't we didn't yeah. start dating right away. He was in a relationship with someone else and I was doing my own thing. But our yeah. friendship kind of blossomed from there. Yeah. And
0: yeah, that's a great story. I, that, that may take the cake. I mean, that was yes. so <laughs> I was honestly so sweet of him to see you struggling and to do that. Oh, and
1: I was struggling yeah. big. time. Yeah, so. no doubt.
0: I mean, I always, I always got a good vibe whenever I interacted with them. So it seem like seem like great guys. So really happy for y'all and, and now Thank you, you, your family. You, you got, you have your son uh, turning one years old. So just really happy to hear that. Now, before we go into the some of the sports teams that we all of our gotcha. fans like, I, I got to selfishly ask because I'm a broadcaster and I, I work all in ISD mostly. So selfishly, I got to, I have you here. I have to ask about some of your players. I yes. got to talk about Kendra. I got to talk with Kendra Vanzant. Talk about Niaja Vance and Anaya Rashard Holmes and some of the players that really stood out to me. Well, for you, it starts. It started with your two seniors, right? I mean, I, I, yes. we found ourselves saying the names Precious Jackson and Thaslin Payton a lot. So, can you just kind of talk about for a team that was a pretty young team, but had like two senior yes. kind of stalwarts there? Like, what, what did that? What, what did they mean to your program?
1: They were everything this year. Um, I've been lucky to have a uh, you know a post dominated team for the last couple of years. Um, even when coach Fuller was there as an assistant, we've always had at least enough height to work with um, to give us that post presence. Um, and for me, I was not a post player growing up, but I played in college. I played with girls that were six foot four, six foot five. So I learned how important they can be to your program. Um, Precious was a four-year varsity starter. Uh, we just honored her for being, um, we, we had our banquet a little late this year, but we just honored her for being the 14, six, district MVP. Yep. Um, and we shared some of her career stats. She was 12 points shy of a thousand career points.
0: Oh, wow.
1: She did break um, uh, the thousand barrier for rebounds, but the minute she wasn't able to come to our banquet, she ha- she's had a concussion. I've been letting her play in our spring league with us as she prepares for the next level. And she got a concussion. Yeah. Um, and so the minute she heard from her teammates that she was 12 points away, she was texting me, do I get a COVID year for high school? Can I come back? I knew I should have played. <laughs> so she was just, She's one of those kids that's incredibly passionate about the yeah, game. Yeah. Um, but not just that, she wants to coach in her future. And so that's oh, what's that's been awesome. cool. Yeah, yeah, it's been cool because I've been able to share that with her. Um, just kind of building, you know, she wants to coach. So she's always telling me, Coach, you know, Nimitz ran his own this time. Can we do this? Like she wouldn't even let me do my job. She was already <laughs> watching film before me. She was telling me, Coach, I think we should do this, I think we should do that. And it's you don't get that from players very often. Yes. Um, So she's going to, she's going to definitely be missed. Uh, Like I said, she was, you know, a huge cornerstone for us. Not only was she a post presence, but the last two years we've worked her to be able to get out to the three point line and shoot it, be able to drive and play as a guard, bring the ball up the floor. Um, She was our leading three point shooter this year and last season as well. Um, So she's just become that all around athlete. Um, And she's definitely going to be probably the toughest kid. She's going to be my first, you know, four year kid that's gone through. Um, And then Tosselin and Payton, same thing with her. Uh, Her and Precious have been best friends for years. Mm -hmm. Uh, They both went to Aldi Middle together. Um, Tosselin is a little bit different. The game doesn't come to her naturally. And so we've had to kind of, you know, change up her game a little bit and push her out of her comfort zone this year. And she did that. So replacing the two of them is going to be hard. They both, um, Precious averaged a double-double all four years in high school. Um, and then Tosselin, we were able to get her when Precious was being double teamed or triple teamed this year, Tosselin did her part. So I'm going to have to rework some things because I got some big shoes to fill at MacArthur for next season, so.
0: I, I love hearing that. And I apologize to Tosselin. I, I was saying Tasselin the entire time. That's okay, season. no worries. we talk t- more to the right now, coaches. So, so my, yeah. my apologies there because she, she was awesome. Said that name a lot. Um, but I love hearing from coaches so often, like the star player, when I always like to ask them, like, so what were they like? You know, because I always want to know that. 99% of the time they say Kovo. they're great they're yes. just how you just you know and so that's why if any players ever listen to this like the ones that make it they have great attitudes okay yes. so like just th- th- of- that, the, the, the attitude problems a lot of times aren't the players that are that are stars that are driving your teams so I always I just like to point that out and then I think any conversation of your team is not going to go very far if I'm talking about the Rebel Edo sisters Yes, oh, you know, yes. And that, that's something that they're 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 twins, they're sophomores, and they're amazing. And yes. their brother is also a, a, a star on the football team, a defensive end, uh, you know, yep. for the generals football team. So really a cool family dynamic. I, I do see him come to your games along with their, their family. They yep. sit right there in the center court. Which yep. I That was really cool. So just talk talk to us about the Rebelito twins, and what they mean to your program.
1: Yeah, for sure. And just one other thing to your point about attitudes. I wanted to share this, you know, with you and your listeners, too. Um, we do a, a special thing at our banquet where we have certain awards that only the girls can vote for. So they're not sure. just coming yep. from the coaches. Yep. Um, and for the last two years, Precious has won best overall teammate as well. Yep. There you go. Um, and generally you don't always hear about that from your best player. Sometimes sure. it can be standoffish or, but she's been like the mama of the team. And so yeah. that's just something that you said, you can be the, the best athlete and the, you know, the go-to person and also be a good teammate at the same time. So I just wanted to share that with you.
0: Thank you for sharing But um,
1: it. the, the Revelado sisters, they're, they're something else. Yeah. Um, wow. I've never coached twins. I've wanted to coach twins my whole life. Just the idea of having that package deal Yeah. Um, when they first came back. So they attended legacy last year um, as freshmen. So they weren't, you know, they mm-hmm. had left Aldine for a little bit when they came back. It, I, I, I didn't really know how this would work, not just coaching sisters, but coaching twins. Um, And we had some growing pains with it this year. We had to have a couple conversations post game where we let the girls kind of just share how they felt. Um, What I've noticed from both Nicole and Renata is they're incredible competitors. They have very high goals for themselves. I've never seen this from kids their age at that age yet. They know what they want to do. They know where they want to be. Um, and they're hard workers. And so I think for them, the hard part is they, they don't bicker, but they are, they're hard on each other. Right. And so I think it, it catches the rest of us off guard. Cause it's, you know, you don't want teammates kind of going at it, but they're sisters. It's a different dynamic. So we've had to adjust to that. Um, it's also been very interesting in seeing both of them and how their game is so different. You know, you see twins face value and it's hard to tell, you know, who's who, but, after working with them for a year, I definitely can have that vibe of, I know what Renata's strengths and weaknesses are. And I know what Nicole's strengths and weaknesses are. And we're really working to, to kind of help them improve. So, but they're going to be fun to coach and and watch, especially for the next few years.
0: All right. Now we are to the favorite teams portion of the show. You said you love college hoops in general. You'll watch any game you can catch, but your team, your main team is the Michigan state Spartans mainly Ooh. basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Coaches out there, man, basketball, but you use some football, you know, sprinkled in there as well. And he, I love how you put it this way, coach. You put not proud to publicly say it, but yeah. my Detroit lions, <laughs> that's one thing Hard. listeners may know. And that's cool meeting a, a fellow lions. I'm also a lions fan.
1: That's tough.
0: It, 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 tough. it, it can be, it can yeah. be people always like, kind of like, cause I'll, I'll show up somewhere wearing a lions polo and they're like,
1: yep. what, what? <laughs> why, yeah, why,
0: you know, <laughs> right. and I, I, I tell the story that like, I honestly, as a kid, I just loved Barry Sanders. So I've always liked the Lions. I really have. It's not just something that started more recently. I've always liked the Lions. And then marrying, you know, a, a woman from Michigan and getting, just getting to like, real, I love Michigan. I love going up there. And so That's like, great. now I'm it's really great. a Lions. Yeah. yeah, I'm really a Lions fan, but um, hey, we had a good draft. I think Aiden yes, Hutchinson good. It is, yeah. is going to is gonna be great. Jameson Williams, we have some great picks, but uh, you've maintained the support all through the years and you say, always find a way to let me down. Yes. My, my father-in-law, he says, James, you know, they've been letting me down since the fifties, you know, <laughs> so, just, can you talk a little bit? I just thought that was so funny the way you described it. Can you talk about being a Lions fan a little bit?
1: It's just, it's tough. It's, I don't know how to describe it. I feel like I'm your father-in-law and my yeah. my dad, we go through the same thing. And yeah. and I still text. I have, a, you know, friends of my parents and my friends back home my cousins, everybody. Detroit sports is very similar to Houston. The in in terms of the, the passion is there. Um, I used to when I would go to watch the Astros play and I'd wear my Verlander jersey pre-Astros Verlander, right? My yeah. my lion, or not my lions, my yeah. Tiger jersey. There'd be so many Detroit fans mixed in with you know the Houston fans. And It's just, it's one of those things. Like I told you, I'm, I'm loyal. I'm loyal to Mac. I'm loyal to where I'm at. And I'm loyal to the Detroit lions. And every season I say, okay, this is going to be different. And I don't expect a playoff run or anything, but for the last few seasons, watching them be a fourth quarter team is just gut wrenching. They're either down by, you know, four touchdowns and they come back and just right at the end, they can't pull it out. Or they're leading the whole game and they l- let it go at the end. That's that's the tough part. And I was really excited for Matt Stafford this year both me and my dad are big supporters of him. Uh-huh. And it just goes to show I mean this is the joke that I like to tell everybody. With Matt Stafford winning the Super Bowl and Eminem his part of his performance at halftime, right. that's probably the closest that Detroit's <laughs> going to get to the Super Bowl in a very long time. I did so, see that
0: meme. Yep. That, yes,
1: that I, really I take that. I take that yeah. uh, wholeheartedly. But I was a big Megatron fan. Loved yep. me and Calvin Johnson. Yep. Barry Sanders was yep. a you know a fixture in Detroit. So I think I'm always going to wear the Honolulu blue, and I'm always yep. going to support. But it's just tough to just year after year kind of have. The little bit of success just ripped away from you. So yeah. and don't it's get funny. me started on Dean Blandino and Mike Pereira. They're always against the lions. Yeah. <laughs> I, love I don't it. care what anybody says, they the call, they're always against them. I it drives me nuts.
0: This is the first. Oh, you're another first. This is the first time that, that, that the replay of it, you know, the uh replay experts have been brought into this. I love it. You you really yeah. are a sports fan.
1: Oh, I'm a sports fan for yeah. sure.
0: But uh, <laughs> yeah, my, my father in law is just lasting on that. I mean, he, he's always he just he, it always blows his mind like James, like why you know, it's like you have a Every choice. Time. I was born into this, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. But uh, but that that's great. Um, now here's the tough part. Talk about talk about a wealth of riches. Your husband Joe is a Packers fan. These guys have had Hall of Fame, he's had a Hall of Fame quarterback for as long as he can remember, <laughs> you know. So uh and you in this part I loved. I, I don't want I don't like throwing too much shade, but I I you can't stand Aaron Rodgers. And I'm kind of with you on that one. I'm not a, I'm not a big Aaron Rodgers fan. Uh so things get really heated between you and yes. Joe. So what's that like where we it is what it is. You know, we're, the we're the seller dwellers of, of the NFC North and, and the Packers are are the, are the creme de la creme. What's that been like? Because if you're a new husband during football season,
1: um, it's a lot of mess
0: talking a lot
1: more on my end, because I feel like he doesn't have to talk as much because right. they tend to beat us a lot. Um, but it's a lot of mess talking when I, I don't think, I think it was last season when Aaron Rodgers started complaining and you know on draft day was like I don't know what I'm gonna do um it was a lot of me poking at my husband oh you know I made up little songs about how the (laughs) and I would sing them while while we were like just while I was around him um you know I was hoping that Aaron Rodgers would want to would want out or not want to be there or hold out or something and it's part of the reason why I don't like him is he talks like he's unhappy and then it's okay I'll still come here and you know, kick everybody's okay. butt. Like, okay. so, I think that's the thing is it's a lot of mess talking more often than not. I'm watching and hoping we get to the end of the game and then something will happen. Some Hail Mary pass Aaron Rodgers will throw and they'll catch it in the end zone. And my, yeah. my dreams are dashed, but yeah. the minute the lions get one win, he doesn't hear the end of it for weeks. I will carry it on. And I am very very consistent in that so
0: I love it I love it It, it, Carmen Solis Martinez gave us a great gem of saying like in every athletic event there's certain roles there's the official there's the coach there's the player and there's the parent that's why I think Aaron sometimes he starts trying to be the GM and I just I I I kind of that's one thing that kind of rubs me wrong a little bit but he's a heck of a player no doubt about it Packers fans generally are great are they're great people I've met so many people
1: Wisconsinites are good good people I'm not like they're Midwesterners like we're you know but it's yep. just I just I'm don't with like it. Aaron Rodgers I'm with I just
0: you. don't I'm with it and then so you, I noticed I mean in your write-up you, you you talked a lot about the Lions you talked about uh, the Tigers and Red Wings a bit you you didn't actually mention the Pistons by name so I'm just curious is it is it are you not as big of a Pistons person you know you're a basketball obviously savant but what yes. what's the relationship there
1: I was a huge Pistons fan and a huge Laker fan uh, Kobe was my Michael Jordan of my era so like I was a huge NBA fan growing up um and, you know, I watch, I watch everything. I watch WNBA. I watch college. I watch all of it. I just can't really watch the NBA anymore outside of, of the playoff season. I just, it, mm. it doesn't enter. It doesn't entertain me. Um, I actually was listening to a podcast the other day where JJ Redick was on it. Who's one of my all-time favorite um, college players. Yeah. And he said something that kind of changed my thinking. So I'm going to try to get myself back into the NBA. You know, he, He said, and I'm, I'm always saying, you know, it's not fun. There's no defense. They like, it just, it just looks like they're playing pickup out there. And he said in his podcast that, you know, people say that the NBA doesn't, we don't play defense anymore or anything. He just said, we can't, these guys are so good that it's doesn't matter how hard you play. These players are so talented. Like it doesn't matter. And so I think him saying that may reignite my love a little bit. But yeah. I was a huge, huge Pistons fan. Um, the year they won the championship in two thousand four, I had gotten my, uh, my molars out, and I made yeah. my mom take me. I was all drugged up yeah. on Vicodin, yeah. and I was yeah. couldn't cheer, but I was yeah. there. I was all about it. I love the Pistons. Chauncey Billups, Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace, like, yep. um, Prince, like favorite. that. I was yeah. yes, I was all into that era and like I said big Laker fan because of Kobe Mm. I just have shied away from it I prefer the college game I think there's more strategy behind it so I just don't follow it as much but playoff season I'm I'm into it
0: so shout out JJ Redick I love that you brought that up because I I was watching him on first take the other day he's really good as a broadcaster
1: incredibly intuitive for someone that I just thought would just get out you know the guy could shoot it I thought that was his thing but he that really that one little sentence made me say okay maybe I need to reinvest some time and watch an NBA again just because he's right like they're, they're super talented like how could you guard that
0: all right we're about to play start bench cuts and we have another first we have a first sponsor coming on here so our start Ooh. Bench cuts segment is brought to you by our good friends at MVP marketing group that's a turnkey marketing solutions for schools and now the, the CEO of this company is a good friend of mine. I worked with him in my my day job at Dactronics. And now he started all he's struck off and started his own company. His name's Mike Voglar. And the thing I always like to say is the proof is in the pudding. Take a look at the client list that Mike's built up here at the MVP marketing group. And some of those testimonials, it all starts with the Hall of Fame, longtime Denton Ryan head football coach and current Denton ISD athletic director, Joey Florence. Joey gave a nice uh, testimonial on the MVP, uh, MVP marketing group's website. He'd be a great resource to reach out to on what Mike and MVP marketing does. Other clients include Salina, Crowley, Mesquite, and the Southwest Athletic Center in Carrollton to name a few. So just if, if I'll, I'll kind of sum up what they do, basically, whenever, for instance, what I do, my, my job is like if, if. M.O. Campbell Center decided to go buy a video board for you. And you, so you had live video at the Campbell yeah. Center. What I do with Dactronics is I help the school find sponsors, right? Okay. And that's what I'll be doing. That's what Mike does for school. So if you're looking to put together like a marketing plan to attract sponsors, he's your guy. He takes care of the sponsors, make sure they're getting everything they need. So it's, it's something that can be really stressful and tiring. So Mike's there to help you. So I would recommend reach out to him if you have any, any coach or AD listening. If you have an interest in a marketing plan, just give him a call. I'm going to put his number and email in my show notes. He, he'll talk with you, and if it if it works out, and you want to do it, just say that Coach Kobo sent you, and he'll give you he'll work up a, a little discount there into your deal. So, thank you MVP Marketing Group. But now we're going into start bench cuts. This is a fav, <laughs> This is a fan favorite of the show. I thought this was cool since I've had Kendra on, you know, and she she's she she is a point guard through and through. You heard that episode. Like a lot of what her life revolves around is it's like a point guard mentality. Yeah. You're a di- you, you weren't always playing point, but you're a, you're a dime dropper you know, as I saw, you know, (laughs) from the, uh, from the charity games, I thought let's ask the same questions. So I was really curious to compare you and Kendra Vincent's answers here. So we're going to do a point guard edition of start bench cut. This is the first one I asked her. So the first one that we went with was a special dime dropper edition of Jason Kidd, John Stockton and Chris Paul.
1: Okay. And I remember I did listen to this and I like to always have the edge up. I like to be prepared. So I'm, I'm glad you asked me one where I had time to sit down and prepare. Cause I did. Yes. Um, so basically my thought process here, the way that I work is if I'm going to cut somebody, it's who I would most want to play against. Love
2: so it. I figured if okay. I'm cutting
1: this person, they're going to get picked up by somebody else. So I'm, I'm cutting Chris Paul in my,
0: in my Okay. 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 I like yeah. this.
1: I would, if I had to coach against him, I'm thinking with a coach's mentality, that would be the person I would prefer of the three of them to have to play against.
0: And so I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated now. Cause you're the first person that's come out of this way. And I love it. I'm here for this. What is it about Chris Paul that you feel like you can scheme up a defense to stop him?
1: So it's not necessarily that. Okay. It's. I don't know if I would be able to come up with something for the other two
0: understood. So if okay. Not
1: okay. So, yes. so, and I'm, so for me as a coach, the, it's a two pronged attack for me, the way my mentality is, is a, who am I going to want to play against and how will I scheme against them? And then B it's statistics. So I'm a big, I break down huddle very efficiently. My assistant is, I call her my huddle queen. She gets me everything that I need. Everything's tagged perfectly. I get my, my box scores, my reports. Um, and to me at the end of the day, stats don't ever lie. I'm pretty sure John Stockton is the NBA leader in assists and skills. And I want to say Jason Kidd was number two in both categories
0: as well. I don't know for sure, but it could could well be true. I know Stockton is number one in both.
1: Okay. I know Stockton's number one and I want to say Kidd was number two, or at least at a certain point in his career was number two. And so for me, the, 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 it's all about stats, and if I'm not gonna, if I can, I'm not gonna be able to stop the two career leaders. I'm gonna at least have to look at the guy that's third or fourth or wherever he is. So I would definitely go. I'm gonna start John Stockton just okay. because of his, you know, just who he is, and then Jason Kidd's coming off the bench. And I will say, I'm gonna give my shout out to Jason Kidd. He was one of my favorite players in the NBA, and so I know I, it's hard to have to put him on the bench, but he's at least not getting cut. So
0: this was cool. And, and you and Kendra are in agreement with your starter, John Stockton. And I, I will say, just coming into it, I figured most people would rank Stockton third out really? of that group. But Kendra's, K- Kendra's take on it was, hey, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pass first point guard. And that's, she was Stockton. like, you, this guy is racking up these ungodly assist numbers. Like, that, yeah. that's appe- that would appeal to her. But so John Stockton. And I talked about in the podcast, like I listen to Knuckleheads podcast a lot. Right. I've heard Gary Payton. This former supersonic great talk about John Stockton. And he said, he said John Stockton was the hardest person he ever had to guard. And that's over Jordan.
1: And, and, I, and, and I, yeah, it, it, and <laughs> I think everything you ever hear about him or if you watch any documentaries or anything, everyone says he's the most underrated point guard. And I think yeah. those sleepers are the ones that you want on the floor. They're the gamers and sure. he's going to, he's going to do whatever needs to be done to win the game. And I just, that, that era of basketball, I love, you Know I was young for a lot of that, but I love watching those highlights. I love going back and you know, kind of seeing all that. I saw the tail end of his career. So I just I think I agree with Venzant. Yeah. We probably aren't always on the same page with yeah. stuff, but I agree That's with that. That's one right
0: there. And it's funny, <laughs> I think the media maybe doesn't like Stockton because the game isn't flashy. Right. You nope. Know? It's not. It, but but of uh, uh there's what's that quote? You know, the best uh the best ability is availability. Stockton right. never missed games. He played 82 no. games routinely. Right. I think he only missed maybe like, like three or four games in his entire right. career. So, and that's the last thing that the Nuggets talk about. Like, you you may see him on TV and think, oh, a little white guy, a little short, short. <laughs> right, right. But he was an athlete. The Nuggets always talk about that he, his legs were rocked up. He was strong. Yep. He was physical. So, uh, interesting so yeah you and Kendra both feeling the John Stockton love so you, you guys had CP3 and Jason Kidd flip so maybe you guys in the offseason can kind of talk about that one and see yeah
1: what I'm like. a little older than Kendra too so I feel right. like Jason Kidd's more my era yep. I, I love CP3 like I, I he's a great point guard but I think that's I'm just a little bit older than her so I'm going to give the edge up to the to kid so
0: one more point guard one more one more for fun here Steve Nash
1: okay.
0: uh, yeah Steve Nash Penny Hardaway and John ja Morant, so now we're going like really more into the present here. So yeah, I know you may, maybe you're not as into the NBA right now, but John ja Morant's right. kind of taking the league by storm. So Steve Nash, Penny Hardaway, and John ja Morant.
1: Okay, so I like I said, I watch I'm watching playoffs, so I okay, do it. I know Ja's hurt right now, but and yeah. I watched him in college that it, insanity. Um, so yeah. I'm definitely starting Ja. So I'm gonna go completely <laughs> away from my other yeah you know, kind of my. My consistent, like you said, yeah. availability out of Stockton. Yeah. I just like watching Jaw. So yeah. he's going to gonna go in the game for me. I'm going to start him. Um, I feel like you can't cut Penny Hardaway. Like I can't. And I don't want Benzant to be mad at me. So yeah. I'll, I'll keep him <laughs> on my bench. And, you know, Steve Nash can go play soccer, one of the other sports that he frequented. Yeah, I love it. He can do something different. So you and Kendra that, were be my answer this. on that one.
0: You and Kendra were in lockstep on that one. She started Jaw, She benched yep. Penny and she cut Nash. Yep. And, and, and she was hurting to do that. It hurt her. To to cut Steve Nash, he's two time
1: I mean, I feel like you can't. There's not ever like to do something like this. Is just you're always gonna be going against somebody. You have to. But I I'd say Ja is just super exciting to watch. He's he he may be another factor why where I along with what JJ said, maybe give the NBA another another
0: shot. So, all right, coach. This has been fun. So much fun. Uh, please take a moment if you enjoyed this. I know I sure did. Give us a five-star review again. That drives us up the charts so more people can hear these stories. that coach is making a difference. Hit that follow button to subscribe and hear new episodes as soon as they come out each week. And follow me on Twitter at coach underscore covo for all the latest team player podcast updates. If you're digging the show, we want to hear about it. Hit us up at teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com and then we lift up our own inside of Team Player Nation. Many of our team player alums started out as fans of the show that reached out. I came seeking you because you were highly recommended. I've seen you coach. I, I came to find you, but yeah. other people have been fans of the show that have reached out to me and we brought them on the show. Um, as always the cover art and music for the team player podcast is provided by two of my former players. I love so much. The cover art is by Kaiser St. Cyr. If you need any work again, team podcast at gmail.com. And then our intro and exit music is one more good enough from Avery self-titled debut album. You can find his music on all platforms by searching for Averyon. that's A V R I O N coach. It's been so much fun we'll have to we'll have to see man you know if i'm up in michigan when you are maybe all, all four of us can link up or down here in houston you know we, we should definitely I get love together. It. yeah really enjoyed having you big thanks again to our guest chris danzer thank you so much to all the team players out there for your support and we'll catch y'all down the road
2: it always feel like i need one more boy and one more line, record the track, just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind and them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. And one more line, record the track, just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind and them. Silver. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. And one more line, record the track, just one more time. My family think I bumped my head lost my mind and them I'm i'm just fine i'm good enough but you be told i need some therapy initially ain't do it voluntarily but now i got a legacy